God's grace, peace, and mercy be with you on this first Sunday of Advent through Jesus Christ our Lord. You're in the city of Jerusalem, and it's the year 701 B.C. For its day, it's a big, bustling city, well known throughout all the lands. The city is about 150 acres in size. The temple is there. The temple built by King Solomon 200 years earlier. Everyone who comes from Egypt on the long road to Damascus and vice versa stops in Jerusalem because there's stuff to buy there. Food, supplies, even luxury items if you have the money. You make your living in Jerusalem on this economy and you do very well for yourself and your family. Life is good. You feel secure. The city has a protecting wall around it, guarded by King Hezekiah's army. Outside of Jerusalem, however, in Judah, which is the land that stretches all the way across the valley into Jordan and Assyria, is the presence of an approaching, terrifying menacing army the multinational army of Assyria the king of Assyria has conquered the surrounding lands including the northern kingdom of Israel and you've caught word of it their practice was to conquer and deport the local populations to distant places if they hadn't killed them this was life in the ancient world always under the threat of annihilation or deportation by some neighboring kingdom. Well, this was life for millions of people in the last century, too. But let's return to Jerusalem. Your relatives in the northern part of Israel have already been taken prisoner by the Assyrians and sent somewhere. You have no way to contact them. You don't even know if they're alive. Chances are pretty good they're not. You fear you and your family may be next. Jerusalem sits up high in the mountains and you can see in the distance to the east the dust from the approaching army. The Assyrian king, Sennacherib, is hoping that this menacing sight will be enough for Jerusalem to raise the white flag before his troops even get up the hill because Jerusalem's surrender would be less of a bother to him rather than having to carry out a military attack and go through all the fuss of destroying the city's walls in order to persuade Jerusalem to surrender. So Sennacherib sends the Rab Shaka, a high-ranking official, a kind of secretary of state, as I mentioned, in the Assyrian government. Your king, Hezekiah, is there in the city. You're all walled in in this protective 150-acre city. And your God, Hezekiah, he trusts in God. He believes in God. He's not leading you astray. He believes in the God of Moses and the prophets, the God of Isaiah, the God whose temple is there in Jerusalem. A few years earlier, when Hezekiah had been seriously ill and near death, he prayed to God, and God heard his prayer. Yahweh, the God of Israel, King of the universe, promised to give Hezekiah 15 more years of life. 
And he made his promise. I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city, thus says the Lord. King Hezekiah believed that promise from the true God. Hezekiah believed the theology he was taught. The theology of Isaiah, the prophet. And King Hezekiah told the rest of Jerusalem this promise. Now the Syrian official, this Rabshakeh, was trying to undermine confidence in that hope. The official, this guy is shrewd and clever. He did his homework ahead of time. He knows something about the theology of Israel and King Hezekiah and Isaiah. Now he tries to undermine your confidence in your religion. His goal is to persuade you that your king has, does not have your best interests in mind. He's trying to persuade you that, that he's been doing a deal with Egypt with a kind of an arms deal, and it's not going to work. Will you surrender your household, or will you believe the theology that you've been taught? Will you believe the theology you've been taught by your ancestors and the temple priests? Will you believe the theology that you were taught from this pulpit every Sunday? Every Sunday after Sunday. Will you believe the theology you were taught in Sunday school if you went to one? Will you believe the theology you were taught in your new member class in whatever church you joined or confirmation? Will you believe the theology you were taught in youth group or adult Bible study? Will you believe the theology you were taught every Sunday through the liturgy and the worship services and the hymns? Good, I see you shaking your head, yes? Will you believe the promises of God? Or will you surrender to the army of voices in the world beating to the drum of any religion is true for the individual or religion is bad for humanity? God's not a judge. You can write your own destiny and many other confusing theologies. Will you be Christian in name only whose mind and heart and will are shaped by these other voices more than the Lord's voice? I hope not. Many Christians end up conforming to the world and its way of thinking. It's happened at this church. Many of us surrender to the Rab Shaka, the Syrian official. Will you surrender? Or will you believe in God's promise to save his Zion? His holy city, his holy people, you and me and everyone in your house. As the Rabshakeh yells out his demands outside the city walls, your king Hezekiah implores you to trust in your God, Yahweh, the God of Israel. See, our God promised to deliver Jerusalem, his city, his Zion, from the king of Assyria and his army. But the Rabshakeh's claims that 
Hezekiah is all a bunch of nonsense, will it fall on dead ears? The Rabshaka says to you, you and your pitiful city guards are no match for the army that waits a few miles behind me. Don't think Egypt is going to come save you. They're in a pitiful mess themselves. Here are the words of the great king of Assyria. Thus says the king, do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you. Do not let Hezekiah make you trust in Yahweh by saying, Yahweh will surely deliver us. This guy is mocking you, your king and your God. He says, wake up, Jerusalem. Resistance is futile. Your God is no match for the overpowering, unstoppable might of Assyria. The king of Assyria has already conquered countless other cities. Their gods were no match. None of their gods were able to deliver them. What makes you think your God is any different? Your God can't deliver you from Assyria. No God can. So surrender, Jerusalem. The challenge from the voices of the world today remains basically the same. What rules the world is worldly power and might, economies, politics, the daily rat race, are the kingdoms of this world. This is what calls the shots. And our detractors would say, our theology is a bunch of nonsense, wishful thinking, made-up dreams. All religions are the same. They're all trying to seek the same God. So jump on board to the way the world thinks and works. Well, what happens if we don't give in to that? Well, what happened to Jerusalem all those years ago? King Hezekiah and Jerusalem trusted in their God. King Hezekiah brought the matter before God and prayed. O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, who is enthroned above the angels, you are God. You alone are of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Yahweh, and hear. Open your eyes and see and hear all the words of Sennacherib who mocks you, the living God. Truly, O Yahweh, the kings of Assyria have laid waste to all their nations in their lands and have cast their gods into the fire. For they were no gods but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they were destroyed. So now our God, save us from his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are God. Well, what happened? God heard and answered and acted in a mighty way. And the angel of Yahweh sent out and struck 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. That's a lot for an ancient army. And when people arose early in the morning, look, there were all the dead bodies. What happened to Sennacherib, king of Assyria? Well, you heard it. He returned home to Nineveh. Twenty years later, in 681 B.C., he was worshiping in the house of his god, Nisroch, and his son struck him down with a sword. How ironic that he would get killed in the house of his own god who could not do anything for him. Well, after all, his god was just a lifeless statue with eyes that couldn't see, mouth that couldn't speak, and ears that couldn't hear. 
But the God of Israel, the God of King Hezekiah, and the prophet Isaiah, and your God and my God is not impotent. He has eyes that can see. He has ears that can hear. And he has a mouth that can speak. And he has hands that can work, do things in this world. He's not a bunch of religious made-up mumble-jumble. And he is the true God, creator of the heavens and the earth. He acted upon his own promises. He carried them out. They were not empty words. God fulfills his promises. He came mightily to save his people. Jerusalem did not save herself. Her own might was no match for Assyria. The Rabshakeh was right about that. Her salvation, her deliverance was due only to the true God and his faithfulness to his promises. Believe the promises of your God, the true God, given by his prophet Isaiah. That day of deliverance of Zion in 701 B.C. was one of the greatest miracles ever recorded in the Bible. 185,000 troops just dropped dead. Amazing. That mighty act of salvation gave us a preview, a down payment of a future act of God to save. The time when God will save us from death itself, from sin itself, from all the might of the world to confuse us and try to undermine what we've been taught and make us give it all up. This Advent season, we look forward to that future day of salvation. In fact, that future day of salvation has already entered into history ahead of time through Jesus of Nazareth. God's saving work has already taken place. Jesus said in the world, you will have troubles. You're going to have problems. But take heart. I have overcome them. I have overcome the world. See, he has already saved us from sin, death, and the power of Satan. He did it by living the perfect life in our place and by offering himself up as our substitute. He did it by willingly allowing himself to be crucified and put to death by the world. He saved us from all sins, from death and from the power, not with, of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering death that we may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness innocence and blessedness that's good news my friends you and I are in this world but we don't belong to the world we belong to Jesus as he is risen from the dead lives and reigns for all eternity. Jesus is the victorious Lord of all. And he now gives you and me a share in this victory, in his victory, here in his new and greater Zion, the Christian church. He gathers you and me into his saving presence and gives you the blessings of his salvation. He does this through the gospel proclamation he does this through the Lord's Supper when we have it. Here in Zion, among his people, in his presence, he gives life and salvation. 
And this gift now is the guarantee that one day, one day Jesus will come again in visible glory to save you and me and raise us up on the last day. So believe this true theology. Believe it. Believe what you've been taught. Don't put a check mark in that box that you did church this Christmas and you're going to do it. You're good till Easter. Well, I know all of you in this room anyways. I'm preaching to the choir, right? Or something like that, right? You know, but for those who are going to listen maybe in at the 1045 service, you know, don't surrender to the voices of this world. Don't do it. Instead, hear the Word of God. Hear more of it every week. By the power of the Holy Spirit, trust in the promises of the true God spoken by Isaiah, his prophet of old. The true God will come mighty to save. Trust in God's promises as they were fulfilled by Jesus of Nazareth, born on Christmas Day, God's own Son in the flesh. Amen.